You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. On the next episode of They Call Me Mr. You, last week, I gave you some tools to help you change your world. We even talked about why that seems so hard to do sometimes. I even gave you a personal challenge. Did you do it? Are you still doing it? I'm giving you another one this week. Part two of Change Your World on this hard-hitting season three episode of They Call Me Mr. You, which starts in five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Purpose Pod for an all-purpose life. We your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Gear up. It's time to put in that work. Let's go. Ah, oh, yeah, ah, oh, yeah. Welcome back to the All Purpose Pod. For an all-purpose life, we're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Wherever you are today, however you listen to the People's Podcast, thank you again for making a Call Me Mr. You a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life. Oh, yeah. Thank you again for joining us. Did you enjoy Change Your World Part 1 from last week? I hope you did. You're going to love part two. I'm going to give you some more meat, some more weapons to help you change your world. Love to hear from you guys. Is this helping you today? Is it helping you to break through a little bit? See things differently? I hope so. Last week, we talked about the importance of changing your world. Now, ideally, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? There's a big component of self-reflection and personal application that's involved. That's the part that there's no doubt about. And that's the part that we struggle with the most. That's the challenge that makes us stumble. Because we try to move a mountain with wishful thinking, happy thoughts, petitions, and loud noises. It's to the point that we sit at our TVs and computers and hear all about what's going on around us and hope and wish that world would be better. We'd all be friends, stop fighting each other. And all the bad stuff would just go away in a cloud of smoke. Everything that we would see as negative and offensive be gone in the wink of an eye, in the snap of our fingers. Easier said than done, I guess. The truth of that is that there is a world where all that's possible. We just got our focus on the wrong one. And we got a passive approach to get in there. Last week, we discussed one of two huge keys to changing our world. That was knowing your enemy. I'm not going to break down all the details. Check out Change Your World Part 1 from last week to get the full rundown on what that tool consists of and how you can use it effectively. It'll help you understand where we're headed this week. So how do you change your world when you have no idea how it got to be the way it was and what your responsibilities are within it? Is what we're seeing Witnessing and living through all there is? Media coverage aside, are we that naive to think that things aren't that bad? The reminders are too numerous to ignore. Yet in media, 
we know we can't trust what's put out. We only get half of the story or sometimes not the whole story at all. We understand that stuff. But things are bad in a lot of places that we don't get to hear about. The battle is raging. Excuse me, the battle is raging. People are dying. Fingers are being pointed. And the root cause that we're trying to self-diagnose is wrong. You can look abroad in other countries or you can look right in your home soil. Or even close, look in your, in your own house. We can't sit on our hands and simply watch. We established last week that we are in a battle. We are in a war. So who are the soldiers? We can't rely on people who have on uniforms. We can't rely on people who have medals on their chests and titles in front of their first name. We can't rely on them to fight this battle. The more I think about it, I'm wondering if we even know we're in a war and just don't care that we are. I'm wondering if we don't want to be responsible to stand up and fight, to push away our place and pray. Maybe we're so afraid that everything we do is for the benefit of our own selves, our own four, and no more. Maybe we don't want to lose our own footholds in life. We don't want to give up what's become a comfort to us. Whichever side of this you find yourself on, before the episode concludes today, I'm going to put some valuable tools into your hands. You have to decide how you want to use them or if you even use them at all. But this is the People's Podcast and we are here for you. Let's jump into the episode. So as much as we differ on different topics, we have the important things in common. We feel, we suffer, we hurt. And far too often we struggle to see. My friend said this all the time and I may butcher it a little bit, but he said that in order to truly walk in success, you need to be honest about where you are. Now, you kind of need to know where you are to know how to get where you need to be. I know that the digital age has made us reliant on GPS. Very rarely do you find somebody driving with a paper map in their car. We're used to somebody showing us the way, showing us how to get there and how far it is from where we need to be. Not having that GPS, it used to mean something. It meant that we had to put in a little bit of work, made a little effort. To get where we need to be. Now in this age. Things are being done for us. By people that we can't see. You know most folks. Start their days off already defeated. Don't even realize that they've been in a battle. They just feel like they have been. Physically and even emotionally. Before their feet even touch the floor. In the morning. They're already discouraged. Already defeated. Already dreading the day. Dreading their work day. Dreading the life that they've been blessed with. How did GPS help them more than just helping them find a physical location? How did GPS help them out? They went to bed and rose up without a distinct purpose or any semblance of hope. If you even read a few people's skill books or any kind of so-called self-help books at all, you may have heard things that such as the words you say out of your mouth, the company you keep, the nature of your environment, your close personal relationships are key to your success or they're key to your failure. Is that something that you can agree with today? After all we unpacked last week, I think it's at least worth considering. How about you? Idealistically, we all would love to change the world and make this mess better. 
I did my best to remove any signs of fluff and hyperbole from this episode and last week's. I sincerely believe that the first key I gave you last week is instrumental to making those changes. I really believe that. I'm living it in my own life. It's my opinion that this second key is not only more important than the first one, but it's much more difficult to walk out. So we're going to walk through it today. I'm giving that second key right now up front. If you're taking notes, here we go. The second approach, the most important approach, more important than knowing your enemy, is knowing yourself. Our podcast prides itself on being your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Trust me when I tell you this, that isn't some cool catchphrase from some podcast guru. I really, really want this to be what our show represents for you because it represents that for me as your host. You are talented, viable, productive, important, and gifted. But a little self-reflection, accountability, and objective view of, on our situations can only help us. James 1, 23 and 24 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. There's not many things worse than looking into a mirror and seeing what's wrong, but not caring enough about yourself or others who will be around you to correct the issue. Before you go change that world, you have to be committed to changing yours. Not the world in your city, community, and neighborhood. I mean the world at your address. Your reach, your authority, your ability needs to be commensurate with your level of surrender. Now you have to decide what you will surrender to. Last week, we talked about a whole lot of options that you could surrender to and give yourself over to. But I ask you today, who has your heart? How much control do they have? Where does your intimacy lie? Is it in your car? Is it in your home? Is your intimacy lying with your children? These are what strategists will call potential vulnerabilities. When I used to work for the government, I was pretty much drilled with tests and assessments to ensure that I was not vulnerable to foreign forces and elements who would seek access to the classified information that our department had access to. They were always questioned about our finances, along with background checks and questioned about who we were related to and who we're presently connected to, what country they came from, who they knew, who that person knew, who that person's person knew. It was an endless Continual check that was required. I think for obvious reasons, you can understand why that is. If you have access to valuable information or valuable asset or resources and someone can capitalize on your vulnerability, it can make that information subject to attack. Who and what in your life would you consider a vulnerability that an enemy could gain an advantage over you with? How much do people know about you? That's the details of your life so much, but what makes you weak? Where you're susceptible to suggestion, where you can be unduly influenced. What areas have you compromised what you know is right to do something you prefer because it feels good or makes you look better in the eyes of others? What makes you vulnerable to being attacked? 
Knowing yourself is the prerequisite to stepping up against any enemy and perceived mountain in your life. You need to be free enough from the enemies within you before you can effectively conquer the enemies without. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It is a tragedy when we appear to continually fall victim to regularly to be unaware of the difference. It's not relative as we once thought. Sadly, instinctively, we know what's right or wrong in most every case, but because of what's going on inside of us, the lines are blurred. Hear me clear on that, please. I didn't say what the media feeds us. I didn't say what you read about or what your friends are doing. I said because of what's going on inside of us, meaning our desires, our urges, our lust. The lines are getting blurred from the outside. They get blurry from the inside. We have to address our heart's condition. Are you ready to do that today? We talk about how good our hearts are and justify ourselves as being good people who love everyone. Kumbaya and all that. We fancy ourselves as experts on our own selves. We tell people what we will never do in a given situation and how we will never be like our parents or like that person whose life is so messed up. And then look what happens when placed in the same environment. Almost like an experiment, we walk in the same things that we say we'd never do. How is that possible? Who moved my cheese? We don't know ourselves where it counts. Jeremiah 17 and 9 states that very accurately. And we talk about it a lot on our episodes because I think it's really one of the most important passages in all of scripture. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? How can you give somebody something that you don't even understand yourself? Let's move on. Every soldier has one. I want to make a hard stop right here, though, and speak to a very specific aspect of our show. We sparingly share the intent of our podcast to offer the word of God in bite-sized Relatable portions so that, you know, especially for those who either hate or distrust religion. We talk about it from time to time, especially in our first season. We discuss it a lot. We want our podcast to cater to those who hate or distrust religion. Why? Because I want to highlight some things about that idea that perhaps people don't want to deal with, but I believe it'd be helpful in the long run. So why do you think you hate or distrust religion if that applies to you? Why do you hate religion? Why do you distrust religion? Why do you distrust organized religion of any kind? Although we discuss scripture quite heavily on this podcast, that is more because of my experience and the lifestyle that I do promote. Aside from that, I don't tell people what church to go to or what they should believe. I do simply offer a perspective on things that I've seen and I've gone through. I try to be a testimony of what has been done in my life, how I've changed from where I used to be, where many still are right now, to where I am right now where people may ascribe or desire to be. As a former coach and mentor, it means something to me to pass on the things that I failed so publicly at. So you don't have to. So you don't have to go through that. But why do you hate religion? Why do you distrust religion? I would venture a guess and say it is because of the people that were drenched in it and how they negatively impacted you. Am I on target a little bit? Am I getting warm? I remember the first time I was ever called the N-word. It wasn't like I didn't know the lasting impact of that word, but it was devastating because deep down, 
I did, and many of you do, we want everyone to like us because we're nice, right? If I'm nice, people have to be nice to me, right? A plus B equals C, right? If I trust everybody, everybody has to trust me, right? We don't expect to be assaulted physically or verbally. We are walking around in peacetime even though a war is raging. We're picking flowers while missiles are being aimed against us. Any parent worth their salt will ask you after enduring a painful insult like I did when that word was lobbied against me is, so are you that word that they called you? Of course, you're going to respond, no, sir, or no, ma'am, I am not that word. So that knowledge that you are not what they called you or accused you of being is what you should arm yourself with going forward. The knowledge that you know who you are. So you can't be moved from that position. That's why the key I'm giving you today, the second key, is so much more important than knowing your enemy and understanding why they do what they do and say what they say and think what they think or attack you the way they do. You need to know who you are. It's much more important. At the end of the day, the only one that's responsible for you is you. The only person responsible for your movements and your actions is you. You can't blame the enemy for what you do. They just made suggestions. Offer up alternatives. It's your choice to accept or reject. People, maybe many of my listeners, hate or distrust religion because they're still wounded by people. The strange dichotomy here is that they are people not much different than us. In many ways, they are just like us. And we will respond similarly if placed in the same situation that they're in. I always try to remind my family and my friends and those that I'm privileged to talk to, minister to, or counsel in any kind of way, shape, or form. I always try to remind them (laughs) that in placing the same situation in the same environment, you don't know what you would do. You think you know. You feel yourself morally sound or even morally superior. But in the same environment, you don't know how you'd respond. You don't know that person's life. Whether you want to see them as an enemy, that's up to you. But you don't know their life. You don't know what they've been through. I remember those guys that were, even got guys and girls that were bullies in, in school growing up. I didn't understand it then, but now I feel sorry for the bully. Because more than likely they're being bullied at home. I feel sorry for the abusers. Because more than likely they've been abused. You can shake your head and say, no, not me. If you want to. But history has proven that we are easily susceptible to the things that we say we don't like or wouldn't do. We got an issue with religion because it's a mirror to the ugly side of the human experience. We are humans and it automatically includes us and makes us non-exempt from the human experience. Is there any chance we simply refuse to let go of what has been offensive to us long enough to start living fruitful lives right now? The heart is clearly a mystery. We discussed it a little bit on part one of this episode, but the heart is certainly a mystery. As we discussed a little bit Earlier today, we can fully understand. We can't really fully understand its complexities. I don't see how we can logistically give it to another person, and we don't understand how it functions. That alone speaks to how little we understand why we feel like we do, and what triggers us to react and respond like we often do. 
we see it a lot on, on social media platforms and it's like, it's time for a self-check there. I really believe knowing yourself is possible. Do you know everything about yourself? I'm not sure of the answer to that question, but we can definitely know ourselves. We just have to accept the parts that aren't so pleasant and yield ourselves accordingly. We'll discuss that a little later on in this episode today. But truth be told, we are fallible. We messed up. Often prone to do some things that we shouldn't and say some pretty ugly stuff. It's happened to me, probably happened to you, from people who consider themselves good people. The saving grace is knowing who we are and living actively every day to be more of that than what we were prior. This is the People's Podcast. And we do this for those who don't like religion or are challenged with spiritual and professional development as much as for those that love Jesus. But please believe me when I tell you, if you listen to this episode at any point in time, from season one to now, you will be challenged with change. Every episode I produce and release challenges me. So in that way, you're not exempt either. If we're going to grow together, let's grow together then. Let's go. Knowing yourself is critical. It also means knowing your purpose and your mission. Sorry to be the bubble buster today, but it's not to be a good parent and have a happy life. That's not the mission. It's not to be a generous person who gives to people that they like. That's not the mission. There was a man in scripture named Job that was considered upright and perfect. Can you call yourself either one of those? He was considered upright and perfect and endured things that you wouldn't even imagine. Do we really have the luxury knowing that to skirt our purpose and avoid uncomfortable situations? 2 Timothy 3 and 12 has a very sobering passage that you rarely ever hear preached from a pulpit. And when you hear it, you understand why. 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'm going to say it again. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yes, a loophole, right? So if I don't live godly in Christ Jesus and do my own thing, I don't have to suffer then, right? Nope. Sorry to sound like a dead end, but there's no way to avoid this choice. You really honestly every day have to pick between captivity and victory with hard times. You have to pick captivity or you have to pick victory. You can't have both and you can't decline to pick either. Picking one is the same as not picking the other. If you pick victory, you're not picking captivity. If you choose captivity, you're not picking victory. Do you understand? If you're a believer, you have and will certainly experience what feels like warfare against your children, your own physical body, your finances, your work and professional life, your gifts and abilities to serve in ministry, community, in your workplace, and what have you. You don't have to do anything wrong. It's just because you represent the light. You represent the future. You represent that W, that win. It's a mark that we can't scrub off. And we can't laser off. Better is coming, but breakthrough and revival is upon us. We don't have the luxury to decide to not gird ourselves appropriately. You may not see yourself this way as a soldier, but you are. You're a guardian. You're a gladiator. You're a warrior. You're the victorious one. You're all that. You're that for your children. You're that for your children's children, for your community and its citizens. 
your world that goes beyond news stories on your TV screen or news clips on your media apps. The first half of my favorite passage is in Romans 12 and 1 says, in part, in view of God's mercy towards you, because God has shown you mercy and you can see it, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. This passage is written in military terms in this, in this era of time that it was written. The passage is designed to speak through military terms so even a soldier can understand it. So especially a soldier can understand it. The soldier understands what it means to present, to sacrifice, to act, and to live their lives understanding the need for honor, integrity, duty, dignity, consistency, and respect. You don't have to have a uniform and medals on your chest to understand these things, to walk in these things. You're a soldier regardless. And you're in a war regardless. It's as tangible and relevant as the clothes the believing soldier is wearing. It means something to put them on. It says something to the people that see them wearing it. Honor and integrity and dignity and duty. It speaks gratitude to the one who commissioned the soldier in the first place. Who commissioned you? Who called you? Who created you? The soldier recognizes that they're in wartime. As long as there is an enemy, you're in wartime. They are aware that their children, their lifestyle, their freedom is always at stake. Real world soldiers deal with this. And their freedom is always on the table as long as there's an enemy on the loose. As a soldier from a spiritual and and otherwise aspect, you have to understand that. Peacetime is coming, but right now, we're at war. 2 Timothy 2 and 4 has an outstanding passage that speaks to the soldier. I want you to hear this with the understanding today, even if you haven't fully grabbed hold of this yet, with the understanding that you are a soldier. Without a uniform, without a medal, but you are a soldier because you have the scars to prove it. 2 Timothy 2 and 4 reads, No soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who commissioned him as a soldier and enlisted them to serve. I'm going to read this one more time. I want you to take out the Marines, the Air Force, the Army and the Navy, the Coast Guard and the Reserves. Take it all out of your mind for a moment. Think about yourself as a soldier that God has commissioned. And hear it again from that respect. Okay. Second Timothy 2 and 4. No soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who commissioned him as a soldier and enlisted them to serve. Do you recall the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? He was lost on an island for so long, he began to get comfortable with his circumstance. He viewed it as permanent and even named a volleyball Wilson and had conversations with it. The children of Israel took 40 years for a journey that reasonably should have taken 11 days tops. They set up camp in a place they were supposed to be passing through. They settled. They settled. They settled. They made permanent residence in a temporary situation. Forget all that change. Let's just stay here forever. No. I know several soldiers that avoid relationships and getting too acclimated to their environment because they are aware that they will have to relocate at a moment's notice or be deployed into active service across the world somewhere. It's nomadic in a sense, always moving through, 
never being too comfortable with what has been and what is. Honestly, this is the life of the believer in context. At least it should be. We are in expectation of something better. A kingdom that is more than we can see and greater than we can imagine. This mess we find ourselves in is temporary. We can't set up shop in our distress. We can't set up camp in our misery. We can't start building with bricks of pain and sorrow and misery. We won't be here long. Any day now, we're going to be deployed to serve in a different way with a renewed sense of purpose. It's going to happen. I know it will. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission and resistance. This is a push and pull, a tug of war that's going on. This simple passage is more evidence of a conflict, a consistent effort against what against one group by another group, against one by others. We are at war, family. We don't have to be afraid about that. We don't have to allow the media-inspired voices to whip us into a frenzy. We have the weapons. We have the victory already. So, soldier, attend hut. Do you have your weapons? Present. Go back and grab them if you missed any of them. Hear me clearly today. We are most assuredly here to change the world. We must work while we can. Serve while we can. Heal while we can. Love while we can. Change the world from the inside out. Change the world from the inside out. I know many of you are wondering what happened to our special guest of honor. You know, the one I promised to introduce you to last week. Well, if if you're at home right now, Pick up your mirror or step up to one. If you're out and about, pick up your cell phone and turn on your camera. You are that special guest. I want to introduce you you too. You are that world changer. You're that chain breaker. You are. You are that warrior. You are that soldier enlisted for a time such as this. It is a pleasure to meet you and to introduce, introduce you to yourself. People have been telling you who you were and what you can do for all of your life. Prescribing limits on you. That you unknowingly pass down to the next generation. And put limits on them. And limits on your children's children. But today is a new day. Soldier, present. Stand up. You got weapons in your hand and victory in front of you. No more excuses. Heaven is on your side. We your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Now go change it and make it better than it was before you showed up. Wherever you are today and however you're listening to the People's Podcast, thank you again for making a call me Mr. You a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life. You've been enlisted. You've been called. You've been commissioned. Hold your head up. You got the victory. And you got weapons. Know your enemy and know yourself. I'm proud of you guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Hope you're encouraged to change your world. I know I am. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.